0: Good morning. Morning. Oh, I got a little response there. Thank you. Uh, Before I begin, I'm going to ask my very handsome husband to come and read the Bible for us. What's with the laughter? He is reading from Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 25.
1: For you have been called to live in freedom my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives.
0: Thank you Alex. It's a bit of a heavy passage. <laughs> when I first read it I thought oh that's a heavy one. But do you know it's all about freedom. All of it. It's all about freedom and this morning God is inviting us into freedom. Now two weekends away, uh, two weekends away ago, sorry, I was on the youth weekend away And uh, it was an absolutely brilliant weekend of fun, hanging out with our incredible young people, pushing further into God together. But I have to say, as with most youth weekends away, sleep was not quite as plentiful as I enjoy. Um, And in fact, I didn't get very much of it, and I wasn't the only one. But on Sunday evening, I got home, relaxed in my joggers and I was putting my children to bed. They'd missed me, understandably, and wanted to spend as much time with me as possible and therefore push their bedtime back a little bit more. And honestly, I just wanted them to go to bed so that I could go to bed too. And after a while, I lost my temper. Because when I feel jolted, it pushes how well I I can react to some situations. And I wonder if anyone else can relate to that. We are looking in this current sermon series on fruitfulness in the front lines. And we are looking at the ways in which God can and does work through us in our daily lives with the people that we naturally meet day by day that's what we mean by our front lines and we are looking through six ways in which we can be fruitful and bring the renewal and restoration of creation and today we are thinking about modeling godly character right up there at the front now, I googled the definition of uh, what is character, and Google says it is moral or mental qualities that are distinctive to an individual. Character is different from personality. And sometimes that character is most clearly revealed when we are under pressure. It's seen in how we respond to situations regardless of what is going on. And clearly, I am still working on my character following the weekend away. So, our passage this morning is from Galatians. And it is always helpful to understand the situation going on where Paul is writing to. He's writing to a group of new believers who have been told by a group of Jews that in order to be saved, They need to follow the law of Moses as well as Jesus. So the group have been told they've been tethered down by restrictions in the law, such as the joyful requirement for circumcision and not eating certain foods. Paul is writing to them to say, no, no, belief in Jesus is all you need to save you. Paul declares freedom for the Galatians. And in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied tied up again in slavery to the law. So we have got to see this passage in the context of, Of freedom. So what are we thinking about today? We're going to look at three things. First of all, what are the fruits of the Spirit? Second of all, how do we grow them? And thirdly, what do we have freedom from? Because all of that comes together to make up our godly character. So first of all, what are these fruits of the Spirit? Many of us might know a song. Uh, There are a few different songs going around on the fruits of the Spirit. But Paul writes about the fruit of the Spirit as a metaphor, really. The kinds of qualities that develop in us when we invite the Holy Spirit to fill us. They are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, something that I sometimes need reminding of is they are not the fruit of my effort. They are not the fruit of getting it right, and neither are they the fruit of willpower. Paul asks in chapter three, verse three, after starting your new lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort. We can't do this ourselves. It is a process. But it's not a process that restricts us. It's a process of freedom. Seeing godly character grow within us. Because when we are free, that is so radically different to the things of the world that the world is trapped by When we live in freedom, that makes a difference to the people we meet on our front lines. Now, something that struck me as I was preparing for today is that the fruit of the Spirit are not verbs, they're nouns. He isn't giving us the ability or the strength to do actions. He is growing living qualities in us, making our character more like God. Because any old tree can't just do apples. It has to be an apple tree. And yes, we do see God do loving things. But that's because he is love. And we might be given the gift of faith or the gift of peace in a particular situation. But the Spirit is growing these fruit in us, so we are patient, we are faithful, we are joyful all the time, not just as a one-off. Because what we're full of is what spills out of us when we are under pressure. There's the story of the man who purposefully overfilled a number of glasses and then asked his friend to carry the tray. Rather unkindly, as he picked up the tray and left the room, he jolted him, and unsurprisingly, those glasses spilt over. If we are full of jealousy, anger, hostility, and we are jolted by circumstances around us, these things spill out of us. But with the Holy Spirit at work within us, bringing freedom and growth of good fruit. Those are the characteristics that others see. So, the fruit of the Spirit are examples of the godly characteristics that the Holy Spirit is growing in us when we invite Him in. But there is a role that we play too we get to partner with god in agreement that we want these characteristics to grow and be dominant in our lives and also nurturing them as they develop my granddad was an amazing gardener his back garden was essentially a huge allotment and he grew raspberries and strawberries and apples and pears and gooseberries and potatoes and cabbages and runner beans and rhubarb and beetroot. He grew loads. He was an experienced gardener. And he spent years, he lived in her house for 60 years, so he spent years working out the best methods and years working out what worked best in his garden And he spent hours in there every day. And I remember at the Sunday dinner table, he would talk to us about blight, whatever that is. He would measure the rainfall each day and knew how much to top it up by. He would, well, I think the highlight as his family was when he solved the slug problem. He built a successful slug defense system. And you know, that year, he even sent out instructions complete with diagrams in the Christmas letter, so you could make your own. My granddad grew the most fruit and vegetables of anyone I've ever known. But it obviously wasn't all down to my granddad. He relied on sunshine, on the right temperatures. He couldn't control the rain if it rained too much. He relied on nature and partnered with it. It is the Holy Spirit who grows character. Those godly characteristics, those fruit in our lives. But we have to partner with him. The Holy Spirit, if you like, gives us the blossom. But we also need to learn to be the gardener. This fruit does not just grow automatically. Yes, it's put there by the Spirit, but we must partner with him in creating the right conditions for it to grow. So what does that actually mean without the metaphor? It means that we need to learn and work out what works best for us. It means spending time with God it means watching out for things that distract us from God and when we see them creeping in to take control and remove them, which we'll come on to in a little bit. It means looking out for where we become stale and reinvigorating those areas of our walks with God by trying something new or outside our comfort zones. And it's remembering That the fruit that grows is not only for the benefit of the tree. It is also for the benefit of those around us who are fed and nurtured by the fruit that we grow. It's when we find our freedom, taking that freedom to the world and giving it a, a, a glimpse of what it can look like, what it's meant to look like. It means we need to be in a place of serving on our front lines, blessing others with the fruit, with the way that we love despite the odds, despite the situation, the way that we bring joy to situations that feel hopeless, the way that we bring peace when other people just feel anxiety, the way that we are patient with those around us. The way that we are kind where the world has not been kind. The way that we choose what is good even when it's not easy. The way that we are faithful to what we say and believe. The gentleness that we bring to those around us. And practicing self-control even when it's not easy, but choosing to stand steadfastly by what we believe is right. Other people are blessed by us growing that fruit. And I would like to invite Kath Chadwick up because she's going to share a story with us about how these characteristics, this fruit, was a blessing to other people.
2: Hello. Um, so uh, when I was growing up as a young teenager, I was involved with a, a not a great crowd. Um, and m- lots of my friends were all into lots of things, as was I. Um, but I became a Christian, and so my lifestyle changed quite dramatically. But I still hung out with these guys, still was friends with them, and um, I just witnessed to them. Now, one of these guys that I was friends with, um, a few years later invited me along to his baptism and he was like the renowned drug dealer of the group he was the one who you'd be like oh he's the worst one Um, and he actually had become a Christian and he got baptized and as he stood up and gave his testimony He told a story about one time when he had been... Now, this is back in the day of dial-up MSN Messenger rather than your WhatsApp. um, When he and his friends, three lads, had been on the computer and they'd been talking to this girl... And she'd been chatting about Jesus, and they just like totally laid into her. He said they were just asking loads of really awkward questions, giving her loads of abuse about it, being really quite nasty. And he said, but something about this girl was really special because she just managed to just answer really patiently and peacefully. She didn't log off and run away. Um, she stayed really calm, and she just kept witnessing and explaining how much Jesus loved them. Um, and even though there was like this torrent of awful stuff that she was you know going through to say it and he said that there was something in that that just really made him think wow there's something special about this there's something in this and that was one of the first things that led him to Jesus and that was really cool Um, and then at the end of his baptism he came over to me and he said hey Kathy you know who that girl was don't you and I was like no who was it he's like oh it was you and I don't really have an idea that how what I was doing was so effective and I I don't honestly really remember the conversation. But um, yeah it was obviously something that impacted him in a really good way. So that was good. Thank
0: you. Thank you, Kath. I love in that story the way that it's not about the grand gestures, not always, that we do. It's not about the big things. It's, it's about us sowing seeds in other people's lives. It's when we treat people and they see a glimpse of freedom, those godly characteristics in us, they think, hmm, there's something different about that. Maybe I want to look into that. And it's not always an immediate thing. Sometimes it can take years. But our part is sowing the seeds and letting God do the work. So thank you for sharing, Kath. It all takes practice, doesn't it? When an apple tree grows, it takes a few years before it produces fruit. And then the first year that fruit comes, the crop's not very big. Growth is a process. It's not a destination. We will never arrive at joy or arrive at kindness or at self-control where we are controlled all the time. It is a continual process and it takes practice. But that practice is important because in a moment of crisis or pressure, what comes out is what fills us. Our reactions are based in instinct. Now, when I was learning to drive when I was 17, a key lesson for me was how to recover from a stall I stalled a lot. It's a long process to remember. And if you do anything wrong, you just end up stalling again. Added to that, you often have the pressure that there's someone sat behind you honking their horn. And it's just one of the most stressful things that can happen when you're learning to drive. And to be honest, I dreaded it happening on my driving test. You've got to put your handbrake on into neutral, restart the engine, clutch in, back into gear, handbrake off, go. (sighs) When I first started out, I think it probably took me about a minute. But the problem is that when you are under pressure, you don't have a minute to respond. And so I practiced a lot, and I practiced, and I practiced because I stalled a lot. And then finally, I reckon by the time I took my test, I had it down in less than two seconds. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Because when the pressure's on and there's a crisis, we don't have time to consider how to respond. Recovering from a stall when you're driving has to become instinct, until you drive an automatic. We need to train and practice using the fruit of the Spirit so that they become instinctive to us and part of our character. I want to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit Even when I'm stressed and sleep deprived. But it's a process. We try, and then we go back to the Holy Spirit and ask for more help, and we try again. Growth is a process. So we've looked at what the fruit of the Spirit are and how we grow these godly characteristics in our lives. But we need to remember that Paul's letter to the Galatians doesn't just express what they were free to do in the power of the Holy Spirit, but also reminded them what they were free from. At the beginning of the passage we read in verse 13, Paul writes, For you have been called to freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use this freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Satan wants us to be held captive to those things that drag us away from God. It's not a list here of do's and don'ts and, oh, don't do that, that's really bad, no, don't do that. But Paul tells us not to do those things because they hold us captive they take us away from the life that God wants for us. The freedom that Jesus won for us does not force us to live with godly character. We have to choose to do that and also choose not to do the things that aren't helpful for us. If we are going to grow healthy fruit, it isn't only about knowing how to nurture what is growing but also how to remove things that stifle our growth. Now, I find it really easy to read the list of sins in verse 19 and 21, and because they sound quite extreme, I dismiss them. Or, if I'm completely honest with you, I've definitely skipped verses like this before, because obviously I'm fine with them. Or maybe you're the opposite, and maybe you spend so much time fretting and focusing on this list that you forget to focus your mind on what the Spirit empowers us with in verses 22 and 23. But for me, when I reflect honestly, yes, I have angry outbursts when I'm sleep-deprived, but not only then. Yes, I can be hostile at times, particularly when I have made a misunderstanding over something and I'm too quick to judge. No, I don't manage to put God first all of the time. And I can idolize other things like my family. And I find it far more comfortable to stay within my safe group of people than to go out and spend time with others who maybe I don't relate to as well or who are different from me. Maybe I'm not as fine with this list as I thought. Jesus won our freedom. And as Amy shared during the worship, it's not about arriving at, well, now I'm fine. Now I'm fine, I can sing all these words, I'm all okay. Okay. It's about a process, it's growth, it's saying to God, help me, help me be free, help me choose to live for you even when it's hard, help me. Paul says really clearly in, verses 20, in verse 24 that if we belong to Jesus, we need to nail our sinful nature to his cross and crucify it there. I have to confess when I get it wrong. I say sorry to God and I ask for his help and for his strengths so that next time I hear the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Growth is an active process. But Paul doesn't write this as a heavy list of do's and don'ts. It's the invitation to freedom freedom from the restrictions of the law of the Jews and also from the behaviors that drag us down and distract us from who God made us to be. We've got to watch out for that mold, ivy, birds and those slugs and uproot them and protect from them when we see them creeping in. And sometimes those things can look like good religious things to do, like the church in Galatia were being told. But our enemy is deceptive. If it is stealing your freedom, it isn't the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to prompt and guide us. For the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. There is no law against these things. It is clear that character matters, and God wants to give his people particular. Qualities, so that when we live on our front lines, as we spill out, the godly characters that fill us are also spilling out, and people around us see that freedom. Because those godly characters, those fruit of the Spirit, they point others to who God is. When we are faithful, we reflect a God who keeps his promises. When we bring peace, we point to the Prince of Peace. When we're gentle, we reveal a God who comes down to meet us in our mess. When we're kind, we reveal a God who does not turn his back on anyone who calls on his name. When we show self control, we reflect a God who is steadfast and unchanging. When we bring joy, we resemble a God who rejoices over his people. When we are patient, we make known a God who is slow to anger and rich in love. When we demonstrate goodness, we prove that God is always good. And finally, when we love radically, we demonstrate a God who loves us unconditionally. Jesus says in John 15, whoever remains in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to fill us up so much that whether we are jolted or not, we overflow with him.